0: found him to be a (laughs) waymaker he's a waymaker isn't he man man I want to say happy mother's day to all of the mothers in the room and I want to say something real quick about uh, my family a little bit my mom's not with me she's been gone now since about 2007 but um, yet I know where she's at praise God praise God. I want to say something about women in general and this is always dangerous when you talk about women in general but I was thinking about it this morning as we were singing and as different ones that I greeted, I wished a happy Mother's Day too and I was thinking about women in the room that maybe have never been a mom, they've never birthed a child and I was thinking about two women, three women actually that have been super were and still are super instrumental in my life. Of course, there was my mom. We talked about her already, but I was thinking about my, uh, my Aunt Hazel. Um, some of you know who that is. Some of you don't. If you don't know her, I'm sorry you never met her. You missed out. Um, so there was her, who was a mom to me the entire time since I was a little boy. Um, she got to be all of her... Uh, all of her brothers and sisters, children's mom and, and uh, my Aunt Virginia's that way toward me now and my Aunt Virginia calls to check on Lynn and I pretty much about every week it feels like and then my Aunt Fran my Aunt Fran, super, super important women in my life and, uh, and there's a lot of them a lot of you women are really, really important in my life I think of Dolores who's adopted me as her son and uh, I, I welcome that adoption very much so we have a thing I call her mom, and she calls me son. And I don't know where Otis is at in that whole mix, but I know that me and Dolores are having a good time with that. But anyway, I just want to honor you, women, say thank you so much. Uh, God has put something in you that, whether you've ever birthed a child or not, I believe that there's something in you that is so different and so unique. And uh, we men and your children would not be who we are without you. So thank you. Happy Mother's Day. So I told him in the first service, we're continuing, uh, I, I don't have a sermon about mothers, okay, just so you know that, we are continuing our 1 Corinthians study, and um, I, I told him in the first service, I'm going I'm to kind of go backwards a little bit, not because I'm going to try and preach what Todd preached last week, but I just thought we'd be good if we could go back, grab that, and bring it forward, because our passage really is in the middle of all of that, and so let's, let's go back to verse 26 of chapter 1, if you're 1 Corinthians... I don't have the page number in the pew that you're in. I'm sorry. I don't do that. I hope you can find it. It's in the New Testament. How's that? you got four Gospels. You've got the Book of Acts, and then you've got Romans and 1 Corinthians. That's where we're at. All right? So let me read this to you, and then we'll get into our passage. And I'll try and get you out so that your, your lunch engagement won't be uh, missed. Good luck. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. You ever do that? You ever stop and think what you were when you got called by God? Something good to do sometimes. Don't dwell there, but it's nice to remember where God's brought you from. Okay, I'm not going to expand, I'm sorry. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him. So hard not to expand that. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who had become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Continuing on in chapter 2, verse 1. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you this morning to, first of all, take focus off the human speaker and put the focus on the Holy Spirit talking to us and revealing what the truth of this passage is. One that we can rely on because it comes right out of your word. The word of God we can rely on. It is the truth. And all in an age that we're in today, we desperately need the truth. And the mothers in this room and the women in this room are helping raise children. Their hope is not built in the world. It's built on the truth of these passages. And so I pray this morning that you'll use me, a weak man, feeble-lipped, just feeble in every way. Could you cause me to disappear, as it were, so that the message might be about Christ and him crucified. In Jesus' name, amen. So, first of all, before we get too far into the passage, we'll just start with the very beginning phrases of verse 1. And I'm launching right into it because I went like eight minutes over in first service. And they were lucky because they they had you coming in after them. So you might want to start attending first service when I preach. I don't know. But I'll try and get this going. All right. Let's just talk about that opening phrase. And so it was with me brothers and sisters in this statement we see paul just referring back to all the way back to 26 and probably all the way back to the beginning of chapter one i didn't want to read the whole chapter to you but for sure that 26 ties right into where we're going here and i probably could have gave that all to todd last week but i wanted to preach this part so i wouldn't give it to him i'm just kidding it broke out that way so Todd made it pretty clear what was going on in the passage last week. I just wanted to read it in case you weren't here last week so you kind of have an idea where we're we're picking up in the middle of a a, uh, thought that he had here. And so we needed to just take a look at that. So he's trying to make wise. God loves to make wise people of this world what they call foolish. Think about that. Not many of you were wise. Not many of you, I mean... It's not a real complimentary statement, what he's saying there. And I think Todd put it really, really well last week when he said basically, we're just a bunch of nobodies. Um, And I I don't mind being a nobody. If God is pushed forward and I'm pushed back, that's fine with me. That's fine. And it should be fine with you. So um, God reveals himself to the people who are not wise, who are not intelligent. Who are not powerful and when God does that he shows himself to be very powerful because it becomes all about him and not about you and so that's huge so there's three things I want to show you I just want to talk about that quickly and there's three things that we'll go through and I'll try and make sure I mention them I think I forgot to do that first service they can watch it later and figure it out what Paul determined to do what Paul displayed and then Paul's desire revealed Those are the three points we'll make this morning. The first one is what Paul determined to do. And he said it there. And here's what he says in 1B there. He says, when I came to you. When I came to you. So this is going back. Because now he's been gone. He's established this church. Was with him for a year and a half according to Acts 18. And now it's about a year and a half later. And he's now sent this letter, and I think it's his second letter that he sent to them, actually. He sent him a letter previous to this one. And um, so he sends him this letter because he's heard a few things that came out of Chloe's house. And so he's addressing some of those issues. But I like what he does here. When I came to you, and then he goes negative a little bit, he says, I did not come. I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom. And as I read this, I said, well, thank God for that because I don't have to be eloquent and I don't have to be wise according to the world standard. My wisdom is not found in me going to some college and learning a bunch of stuff that has nothing to do with my eternity. Uh, my wisdom is coming from the word of God. And so that's where we're at and that's why you're at Valley Bible Church. We're not at Valley Church We're Valley Bible Church, and so that's important that you recall that. But he said, "I didn't come with eloquence," and this term "eloquence" um, it's an interesting term. I think that it, it it it's one that we think of in a high fashion. If I can speak eloquently, you think, "Oh, that guy's a smooth talker, man. He can sell ice to Eskimos with that voice of his." None of you are saying that about me, but you might say that about someone else. Right? And and Paul's saying, No, no, it's not what I did. I determined. I did not come with eloquence. I did not do that. I came not with worldly wisdom. And I called it that human wisdom, I call it cultural wisdom. Because human wisdom, he was talking to the Greeks. He was talking to the Greeks at Corinth, and they were into philosophies and philosophical ideas. And you know what philosophical ideas will do for you that aren't founded in the Word of God? They'll land you in hell. That's what they'll do. They will land you in hell. And guess what? This preacher don't want to see any of you go to hell. None of you. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Paul had eloquence gifting. He was completely gifted in this area. He could talk. He could speak well. He was well-respected. He was trained by Gamaliel in all the philosophies and the Greek philosophies and all of that, he, he knew all this stuff. He had all the human wisdom in the world. And yet he says, I put all that aside. And some of that was because he, and we'll, we're going to learn that in a, in, a, in a verse or two here, where he said, I came in weakness, in fear and trembling. When we get to that point, I'll tell you why he set that aside. But I was thinking about this, about the eloquence gifting he could have used, he could have moved them emotionally. He could have convinced them. His story alone on the Damascus Road getting knocked off, a of, man, good night. What a story he could have told there, huh? And he may have told it, but he didn't put the emphasis on that. He put the emphasis on Christ himself and the cross. Amen. That's what he's doing. And then he, and he says, and I proclaim to you the testimony about God. The testimony about God. The the." Witness of who God is. That's what he did. And so, but he said, I'm putting aside the eloquence. And I thought about it. I thought, eloquence is really something that's not bad if it's placed in the right spot. But sometimes it's placed in the wrong spot. And we should never use eloquence to persuade you to believe in Christ. That's not our job. Our job is to tell you about Christ, it's to tell you about him and tell you what he's done for you. But it really becomes someone else's responsibility to convince you of it. And um, I'm I'm confident. I've done enough counseling at this church, and seen a lot of people hurting. I'm confident that I could get individuals that I was counseling. I'm sure that I could have persuaded them to say a sinner's prayer after me. I could have talked to them in such an eloquent way that they would have wanted to do that. That would not get them anywhere. That won't get them anywhere. Eloquence doesn't get you there. Human wisdom doesn't get you there. Cultural wisdom doesn't get you where you need to be. But the testimony about God is the beginning of where you need to go. So I was thinking of it, though, historically, now, now work with me here, because this is going to be a negative uh, thought, but I think you'll most of you that are, how many of you have taken a history class, a U.S. history class? Probably most of the people in the room have done that. Okay, and so I was thinking of this. Human eloquence can move people to action sometimes with no regard for the reasoning. They just they get so charged up because somebody's eloquent and they're speaking, and they can just staccato. They can come up with an idea after idea after idea, and they get everybody kind of charged up. I know that I have seen, and I'm pretty sure that most of you have probably seen movie clips of a man who had huge audiences with people who came to hear him speak. That man's name is Adolf Hitler. And there's lots of clips of him before he had the power to make people do things, but because he was very eloquent, very practiced in his speaking ability, he could move people. They cheered and chanted after him. He had an uncanny ability to move the people to tears or to enrage them. There have been others who possess that ability also. I think Shakespeare wrote in such a fashion that he can move the hearts of people really easily. What about in our lifetime? In in our lifetime, I think of speeches and eloquence. Uh, I, I think they say historically that John F. Kennedy was elected president because of his eloquence, his ability to speak and be seen on camera. He got a lot of votes because of that. And in his inaugural speech, do you remember his inaugural speech that he did? He, he said, uh, ask not what you, your country can do for you, but ask yourself what you can do for your country. Anybody know that? Have you heard that before? If you've been in US history, you better have heard that, okay? So there, there's this ability to move people in directions that they never planned to go through eloquence through eloquence. Okay, and then that that's John F. Kennedy. And then I think of the famous speech by Martin Luther King Jr. back in 1963 or 4, whenever that was, I can't remember right now. But I had a, I have a dream. I have a dream that one day little black boys and little black girls will be able to hold hands and run in the play yards. I'm paraphrasing, I'm not quoting direct okay just so you know I'm going where I think he was intending to go I'm going to play in playgrounds and hold hands with little white boys and little white girls and act like brothers and sisters I have a dream that one day my children are going to be judged by their character and not the color of their skin I have a dream that one oh and did it not move a nation did it not move a world the eloquence of the man and the way he could speak you would just stop and listen And all of a sudden you'd believe in a cause that you hadn't maybe not even thought of before. That's what eloquence does. But eloquence will not get you saved. No amount of eloquence will save your soul. Won't do it. What about human wisdom? Paul didn't take advantage of his education. He was highly educated. Um, He even spoke about it (laughs) in Scripture. Uh, I'm, I'm as, basically he was telling everybody, I'm as smart as anybody you know, and that's a paraphrase too. That's not what he actually said, but um, he knew that the Greeks loved philosophy, and he had been trained in it. But Paul was not preaching for applause, or to please people, or to speak to current cultural norms. Are our cultural norms good today? What are your kids being taught in school? I won't say a whole lot more about that. Yeah. For fear, I'll get myself in trouble. But he came to please God. It's our, our preaching team's mission. We will refuse to speak what the culture wants us to speak about. I refuse to speak of what the culture's taught. If you're expecting to come to Valley Bible Church and hear a lot of political mumbo-jumbo and have us joining one side or the other, I'm going to stay right in here. Is that okay? I'm going to stay right in here. And I think Pastor Todd and Pastor Tim are going to do the same thing. tickling the ears of people. We're not going to do that. We are not professional lecturers and we are preachers of the truth of the word of God. I'm not here this morning preaching for your applause. I'm preaching for God's approval and that's all I want. You'll probably hear me say that multiple times as I preach. Not just today but throughout. I do not do what I do for the approval of men. I do what I do for the approval of God. And when we put the word of God first he then goes to work. And what was he well let me say this I wrote it down so maybe I'll say it no amount of human eloquence or cultural wisdom can convert a human soul no amount no amount I can talk you into it big deal if I can talk you into it someone else will come around smarter than me and talk you out of it because you're depending on men and what did Paul do he told the testimony about God he told him about God and how God had interrupted his life and he was trying to persecute and eliminate the church and God interrupted his life didn't he do that for you Let me say that again. Didn't he do that for you? I told him in first service, if you don't say amen, I'm going to fall asleep up here. And then we're going to be here a long time because I'll never finish if I fall asleep. So he told the testimony about God. He's telling him, this is what I know about God. Not in eloquence, not in human wisdom, not in cultural wisdom. I'm telling you what I know about him. Through experiences. I've met him. And he's changed my life. You want to know how to witness to people? Tell them how you met him. Tell them, quit worrying about the mumbled. Oh, my lips are stammering. Oh, stop it, Moses. You're the one I chose to tell people. I'm going to give you Aaron. And if you're a little bit like that where you stumble a little bit. Go out with our mercy teams. Go out with Edwin Chandra. He has no trouble mumbling or murmuring. You'll learn how to share your faith in all kinds of different circumstances. And our mercy teams go out every Wednesday night. And we're evangelizing our community. And we do so much more evangelism around here than anybody's aware of. If you go through every ministry we have, they're all doing evangelism in some fashion. But we're not doing it in here, we're doing it outside of here. We are to train you how to evangelize and get you outside the walls of this building to do that. Now in verse 2, he said, For I resolved, and this is that area where he's, I determined, I decided. So what he decided, what he resolved to do in his preaching of the gospel when he came to them, Paul decided to do nothing that would please the Corinthian culture. He decided not to take on their views. He decided not to try and convince them that their view was wrong. He decided, I'm not going to do all of that. I'm not going to try and speak eloquently so that they'll pay more attention to me. Like, I'm going to get my smooth radio voice going. No, no, he didn't do that. He said, I decided not to do that. I brought to them the truth and I didn't change the truth. What's going on in our pulpits in America today and across the world is the pastors that are up here preaching are afraid to tell the message in the way God said it. Let me tell you something. You're not going to improve what God said. I'm to be an ambassador of the gospel of Jesus Christ and so are you. It's not just dependent on me and Todd and Tim. Right? It's dependent on you. You're to be an ambassador. So ambassadors don't change the message. They relay the message. Right? So you don't have to make it eloquent. You don't have to make it all the world's wisdom. The world's wisdom is never going to line up with biblical wisdom. Ever. They don't know biblical wisdom. How could they line up with it? They're blinded to it. They can't hear it. They read it. They don't understand it. It's foolishness to them. It's total foolishness. And if you think back before you got saved, it was foolishness to you too. If you're being honest. Some of you have been saved so long you can't remember that. Just take a look in the rearview mirror and look where God's brought you from. It was foolishness to you too. What did Paul decide to do instead? I'm going to preach Christ and I'm going to preach the cross and I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm just going to tell you the truth. And I'm going to let the chips land where they may. But he didn't really say that because he knew that the power of salvation was not dependent on him. The power comes through the Holy Spirit's work. And then you get the power of God and you're you're never the same after that. If you can tell me you got saved and you stayed exactly the same, doing all the things that you shouldn't do against God, if you did all of that and you're telling me you're saved, I'm going to tell you I think you got a problem. I think there's a problem there. So what did he do? He preached Christ and the cross. Is that what yours says? For I resolved to know nothing. No human wisdom. Now listen, it doesn't mean he never preached anything but the cross. But I want to tell you what. He wasn't too far away from it Anytime time he was speaking about the Bible. If you're talking about the Bible, we're going to find Christ in it. The 90% of the time, he's going to be in it. Because the, the book is about him. It's about him. He came to reveal the Father. But the book's about him. It's about Christ. It's about God. It's about how to live a life. He's got enough information here on you and me that if we would just follow it, when will my obedience come up to my knowledge? You guys know how to live, and we're not doing it, all of us. I don't do it either. I know that's really scary. A pastor in the church doesn't. No, that's just reality. That's me being very honest. I can get... I can get in a fight with my wife in five minutes or less, depending on how much she's irritating me. Because I am somebody, even though Todd said I'm a nobody. But I get in these sinful conditions and I start thinking I'm somebody. Yeah. And if you know my sweet wife, I should never argue with her. Catherine, I'm glad you're here this morning. So what about Christ? Tells him who he was. He was the Christ. Not a Christ. The Christ. He was God in flesh. He was born of a virgin. He's the one that was talked about in the Old Testament. He came and fulfilled all those prophecies in the Old Testament about his birth and about his life and about how he will keep the law and about how his ministry, he came here to fulfill the ministry that his father sent him to do. And in the end of it all, he dies on a cross for you and me. And he's buried and he's resurrected. So we teach about who he was because if he's just a man, we're in trouble. But if He's God in flesh, oh, we got a Savior now. And then we're going to talk about the cross. He's going to take you to the cross, and He's going to tell you what God did on that cross for you. He died for every last one of your sins, past, present, future. Man, if this was a Pentecostal place, this would have went up in smoke. He died for all of that. He was buried. And he rose again. And if you leave him in the grave, you got trouble there too. He was resurrected. They never found his body. Do you know that? You know why? Because his body's in heaven. You're never going to find something that's not here. So he preached the person of Christ and the redemption of Christ. That's what he preached. On we move. Second point. What Paul displayed. The manner in which he displayed things once again not eloquently so what does he do when we look at this we think wait a minute look at this verse let's read three I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling Well, man that just sounds like somebody I really want coming to talk to me some weak dude scared and trembling he's quivering reminds me I would think of Don Knotts in some movie I saw him in where he was trying to you know trying to be really tough and he couldn't get this bullet in the gun and all of that I'm like that's not who I want talking to me But it was necessary. And why did he come that way? Well, he had already had a few times where he was trying to present the gospel. And I think he had tried to do, he tried to reason with them in Athens and he went to the synagogues and he tried to reason with them on their grounds. Kind of in that, I I have wisdom too. Tell me about what you know. I'm going to tell you how Christ fits into that. And started to do that stuff and it just didn't work out. He got beat. He got beatings. He was, he was, riots were caused because of what he did he had to flee so he he arrives in Corinth probably a little beat down probably a little bit uh, depressed maybe oh you don't believe me okay Acts 18 do a little Bible gymnastics here let's just take a look at this Uh, Let's go go to verse 5. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. Now he's in Corinth that they came to him, so now he's saying "I'm, I'm exclusively testifying about Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive... He shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. All of you Gentiles should be shouting hallelujah right now. You know that the Jewish, they got 12 apostles going to the Jews. We got one. But thank God it was Paul because he he was on a mission for sure. So read on. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius, Justice, a worshiper of God. And if you look in your Bible, it's a capital G. It's the Yahweh God. It's our God. Not a God, D God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. They believed and were baptized. So he was having an effect in Corinth, but he's getting nervous. He's nervous still because of the past issues he had. He'd been beaten, he had been thrown out of cities, he had been riots were happening. People were going ahead of him to the next city to warn them about him when he got there. So he was a little fear and trembling. But look what happens. And we know that in the passage in this, I'm sorry, did I tell you Acts 18? I did, didn't I? Okay, thank you. So, verse 9, look at this. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Now, I want to ask you something. Would the Lord come to him in a vision if he was not nervous? If he was not fearful, why would he do this? Look what it says. Do not be afraid. Well, why would he say that if he wasn't afraid? He obviously was afraid. So, because God knows everything you feel and, and think. Yeah, he's a sovereign God. You guys all learn that in your your attributes of God classes that you're going to. You're all going to the attributes of God classes, right? If you're not, shame on you because you're going to learn a ton in there. Not trying to beat anybody up, but we just want you to know we present the Word of God around here. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking, do not go silent. This is what's wrong with the Church of America. Christians have gone silent. Pulpits have gone silent. They don't tell the truth anymore. They have a form of the truth, but their hearts are far from it. Sounds like a passage somewhere. For I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. Oh, my goodness. Man, if this didn't make Paul bold. But when he's saying that he's in fear and trembling, I came to you in fear and trembling, he did because he he hadn't been told this yet. But then God speaks to him and says, just relax, I got you. Let me tell you something. If if you ever get a sense that God's got your back, God's got your back. And if he comes to you in a vision, well, I don't think he's doing that nowadays, so if that happens, just don't tell me about it. but he came in weakness and that was displayed by his fear and his trembling and now we know why it's because he was he had had some not so successful missions but you know what Paul didn't do he didn't stop I don't see him ever stopping he lands in prison he gets beat he ends up dying he dies for the cause of Christ but he never stops you ever been rejected by people that it makes you want to stop? Let me tell you, if you love the Savior, if you believe what He really did for you, and you love Him, you'll never stop. Hallelujah. You'll never stop. I'm reminded, and I didn't use it in first service, so you guys are getting some, some real premium stuff here. I'm reminded of when I was dating my wife, and I was head over heels in love with this girl, and I went to see her one day, and she said she didn't want to see me anymore. I knew she had made a mistake. <laughs> it was just convincing her. About two weeks later, she wanted me back. So, But at that moment, I wanted to do almost anything to get back in her graces. Why? Because I'd fall head over heels in love with this girl. Nothing was going to stop me from pursuing her. If you love the Lord and you know how much he loves you, you should be in constant pursuit and you should want to be able to tell people this message. Amen. Another thing that in a manner in how he came, he denied all human persuasiveness. He was openly weak. His unimpressive words, Paul had made up his mind that he would not fight the Greek philosophers and their intellectualism. and and use their kind of weapons and try and go back. He just said, I'm not doing any of that. I don't need to do any of that. Instead, my message and my preaching and his message and his preaching, we, we were talking about this in preaching team. How do we want to approach that? Well, his message was to tell people about Christ. And his preaching was, I'm going to proclaim it in such a fashion that it actually looks like I believe it. The message doesn't change. The message is Christ testimony of God. Telling people about Christ. That's the message. That's the message. None of you have been charged with um, telling me what the position should be about whether Adam had a belly button or not. Believe it or not, there are theologians that argue over this kind of silliness. Why would you spend any time on something that silly when you could be telling people about Christ? Paul says, I resolve to know nothing except to tell people about Christ doesn't mean he didn't preach about other things but it always came back to Christ so I wasn't being wise I wasn't having persuasive words but I did it with a demonstration of the Spirit's power what does that look like what is that did he do some special miracle yeah he did actually wasn't Paul that did it. It was the Holy Spirit that did it. When you take somebody, listen, if, if we could say, hey, next week, come to Valley, we're going to have a dead person here, and we're going to make them come alive. How many people do you think we can get in the building to see that? Probably thousands would want to see that, right? We'd have television cameras and everything. Let me tell you something. If you don't know Jesus Christ today, you're dead. Oh, you're walking around, but you're dead. You're dead in your sins and trespasses, according to Ephesians 2. I got scripture for this stuff. I don't make it up. You were dead. And him, with his grace and his great mercy, rich in mercy, and with his grace, he says, guess what? I'm going to show you Christ, who you don't deserve, but I'm going to give him to you. You're going to see him. I'm going to give you the gift of faith so that you can believe it. And when you do, you're going to come to life. Every one of you that's placed faith in Christ, you're a walking miracle. Oh my goodness. You're a walking miracle. Think about that. You went from headed to hell to being in heaven. You went from being an enemy of God to being a family member. You went from all the things that God was going to punish you for to all the things He wants to do for you. Think about it. You should shout... I should have to calm you down so we can continue. Thank you for being orderly. So the the convincing demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit was in the lives that were being changed with the gospel by him not being eloquent, by him not using human wisdom. He's just saying, I'm just presenting to you what Christ has done, and the Holy Spirit is convincing you. He's the convictor. He's convicting you. He's the one that says, I want you to know Jesus Christ, and I'm going to reveal him to you. And when he does, nothing's ever going to be the same again. It was, however, he relied only on demonstrating, on pointing out facts that made clear by God's Word in Calvary. He says, I'm going to show you in Scripture. I'm going to show you what God's done for me. I'm going to tell you about meeting Christ on the Damascus Road. All have you ever had a Damascus Road experience? I did. It's nothing like it. My life has never been the same since. And yours won't be either. If you can live a sinful life after meeting my Savior, something's wrong. You were persuaded by somebody, but not the Holy Spirit. Oh. He left the results up to the Holy Spirit. And how did the Holy Spirit respond? With power. I look around this room, I see people, I've watched God change you. There were people in the first service, I told myself, I said, there's people here in this room right now that would steal you blind before they met Jesus. They'd sell your kids drugs before they met Jesus. They'd cheat on their spouse before they met Jesus. Because the power of the Holy Spirit reveals Him and it changes you. Every pastor here, I'm going to promise you, we will never try and manipulate you. I'll never try and manipulate you. What good would that do you? It would do you no good to be manipulated. However, we will demonstrate the power of God to you through the preaching and proclaiming of the truth of the Word of God. And then we'll watch the Holy Spirit go to work. And that's the power we want to see. Not any power in men. Please, that's a joke. If you saw me try to get out of bed in the morning, you know I'm not the power source. Takes me about five minutes to get my back straightened out. I can preach loud and long and you all can say amen. But no sinner will ever come to know Christ and his work on the cross unless the Holy Spirit draws the soul of the sinner of Christ. It just won't happen. It won't happen. So, so far... I'm on schedule with what I did first service so far. We have seen what Paul determined and what his display was in his preaching. And now, go to our final point, which I think is such a key to the whole thing. Paul's desire is revealed. And you see these two words. If you're looking at the verse, if you see these two words that started off, so that, so that what? So all of this stuff, we're going to make it about the cross and about Christ only. So that, and not wisdom, not eloquence, the nots in the passage, and then the the do's. We're going to preach Christ. We're going to preach him resurrected. We're going to preach the cross. We're going to preach the testimony of God. And so, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom. Paul says, I'm going to exclude some things and one of them is that their faith would not rest on human wisdom. There is no rest if your faith rests on human wisdom. There's no rest there. You'll be uneasy the rest of your life thinking, you know what you'll be thinking? Did I, am I going to make it or am I not going to make it? Did I believe the right thing? Have I done enough? You can't do enough. You can't do enough to get to heaven. Nobody in here can. It's simple faith that only God can give. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, is right. Think about this. If you were persuaded to make a profession of faith through eloquence of speech or human wisdom and someone's clever argument, then the likelihood of you abandoning your profession of faith if someone with persuasive arguments presents a clever argument is more likely. If you are persuaded by a man, then you can be persuaded to walk the other direction too. Amen? At Corinth, Paul, and I'd say at Valley, this preaching team, Wants to take great care to make sure that the converts here understand the significance of the cross and that their faith in Christ is firmly anchored to the Word of God. And I can say, when I tell you about Christ, thus saith the Word of the Lord. Not some philosophy not some human point of wisdom, not some cultural change. The culture is changing faster than we can keep up. This book will not change. So Paul wanted to exclude. He says, so that I can exclude that you, I don't want to make sure that your faith doesn't rest on human wisdom. What does he want instead? But on God's power. I want to see an exhibit of God's power in your life. And if you're truly converted, we'll see that. This is what Paul desired for all his converts. No clever arguments, no amount of high-sounding nonsense. is going to shake the belief of someone who's experienced. And listen to this. Thank God he gave me these words in the middle of the night. Someone who's experienced the life-transforming, soul-thrilling, heart-warming power of God in his or her life. That's the change. That shows the power of God. You won't change on your own. And I certainly can't change you. But God can. And God will. He has the power to see you through. He said he would keep you once he's got you. He put you in his family. I'm amazed that I'm adopted into his family. Aren't you amazed at that? I've been adopted in. He said, I put my seed in you even. Try and get out of the family. You know, my son prayed over the offering. I was moved. And I'm thinking, he might not even like me today, but he can't stop being my son. And I might get angry with him, but he's still my son. And when I'm in God's family, I can't get out. You can't pluck. He said, you can't pluck me out of his hand. And guess what? I think I can't jump out of his hand either. Matter of fact, I think I'm part of his hand the way it works out. He's kind of in me and I'm in him and it's kind of a neat thing. All right. Couple quotes. Couple quotes I want to say. I, I saw these in MacArthur's uh, commentary and I thought, man, I can't say it much better than these guys did. So let's. I mean, I might have been able to, but I don't want to. John Stott wrote this. It seems that the only preaching God honors through which his wisdom and power are expressed is the preaching of a man who is willing in himself to be both the weakling and the fool. God shows up when you got some guy that says, I'm a weak man, but I'll be a fool for Christ. And then God says, now you're ready for me to use you. Because if it's about me, if it's about Tim, if it's about Todd, if, we're, if we think we've got it all together, heaven forbid. Yes. We just talked about it in our preaching meeting. I'm like, can you imagine, Tim? Me and him were talking. We've known each other for 40 years. I said, can you imagine either one of us doing what we're doing now? And then we talked to Todd. He wasn't even born when we first met. And he's like, I never imagined preaching, actually. He was, his his, his uh, training at first was to be a teacher and then God got a hold of his heart and straightened him out a little bit and then uh, he's been preaching ever since listen to what Charles Spurgeon said and this one I did not try and mess with because that guy when he says something is incredible the power that is in the gospel does not lie in the eloquence of the preacher otherwise men would be the converters of souls what did I say earlier I can't save you I can't talk you into being saved this doesn't work Nor does it lie in the preacher's learning. Otherwise, it would consist in the wisdom of men. Well, (laughs) we already know we're not very intelligent according to what Todd said last week and what we read earlier, what God said actually. Sorry, Todd. We might preach until our tongues rotted, till we would exhaust our lungs and die. But never a soul will be converted or would be converted unless Holy Spirit be with the word of God to give it the power to convert the soul. Oh, aren't you, aren't you glad it's not dependent on you? I'm certainly glad it's not dependent on me. Implications, real quick. Oh, man, that clock goes way faster than I think it should. Let me say this if you come here for more than three or four weeks and you don't hear Christ preached first of all let us know you're not hearing it so that we can make an adjustment I don't think that's going to happen but if it were to happen let us know Uh, don't be afraid to talk to us about that the other warning would be that if you come for any longer than that and you don't hear Christ being preached go find another church Yeah. I'm gonna look for another church at that point. And then parents, mothers, Mother's Day. Your children need Christ centered preaching. Christ centered preaching. If you got junior hires or kids that can sit through a sermon like this, they can learn. They can learn. They can hear the word of God. The Holy Spirit will reveal to them what they need to hear. They need Christ-centered preaching more than any other kind of preaching. They need Christ-centered preaching. Because guess what? You know what preaching is? Proclaiming. When we preach the Word of God, we're proclaiming the truth of the Word of God. They're being preached to all the time. Get them off these blasted devices and have a conversation with them. Because that person inside that device is preaching to them. They're hearing it's okay to think this way or that way in total, absolute rebellion of what the Word of God says. You say, well, it's so innocent. No, it's not. It's about as innocent as letting them play with a viper. They're going to hear another voice because there's a lot of voices out there. Christians, your evangelism does not depend on your perfect delivery. The gospel is the power of God to convert the sinner, even through your stammering lips. And I like this. I wrote it down, so I really like it. I didn't create any soil, I'm not responsible for the soil type. Get the seed out of your hands, out of your mouth, onto the soil. That's all we've been told to do. Get it out of your mouth onto the soil. God, someone else is going to come and water that seed then. Someone else is going to come along and and, and say say just the right thing at the right time because God sent him there because he's a sovereign God. And your child is going to get saved. And your brother or your sister is going to get saved. That other one that you loved, they're going to get saved. But not if you don't say anything. It comes through the proclaiming of the Word of God. It comes through the preaching of the Word of God. He tied it to that. And this is one that's going to shock you. Because it can't be said everywhere. But preaching is not dead. True preaching of the Word of God is not dead. It is God's ordained medium for teaching the corporate gathering. Right here, in this room. I know we go to small groups, I'm all for that, but right here is more important than any of it. Not because I'm talking. When Todd and Tim talk, it's here that you're learning about God, together, corporately, agreeing on scripture, agreeing in prayer, agreeing in worshiping God and singing. This is where it takes place. This is for us, the believers. This is us. And this is what we don't forsake. That we might come together to encourage one another. You need the preaching event. I need the preaching event. God has designed a major part of our spiritual growth to happen right here. It's not dead. And I certainly don't think I'm dead today. Here, listen for the cross in every sermon. Listen for the cross and Christ in every sermon. I hope you hear it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word of God. I thank you that it's as true as it was the day it was written. And it does not change. All oh, if it changed, I'd be a mess. You do not change and your word does not change and it fits every culture, every dynamic. I don't care if it's 1953 or 2023, it fits. And it speaks to everything we need to know. But oh, would you let us not try and be so eloquent and use cultural wisdom to try and talk to, would you let us just be about the main thing? Can we just, Lord, would you just convince us right now to make the main thing, which is Jesus Christ and him crucified and him resurrected, make that be the main thing. We'll figure out all the other stuff later. Let's tell them about Christ. If we could do that, I, would, I think we would expand. We would have to expand the amount of services that we have because I believe you're still saving people. I believe you're still saving people, and I believe you do that through people talking to other people and getting involved in their lives and telling them the truth about Jesus Christ. Oh, there's more people out there, Lord. I believe there's more people out there that, that are looking for something and, and they don't know where to go to find it. They, they're not even sure what it is they're looking for. And here we have this wonderful message that can change them forever. Oh, thank you for how Paul put it so clearly. It's just so clear. Don't do it eloquence. Don't do wisdom Tell them about Jesus. Let God do the work. And we've got to let you do the work because we can't do it anyway. Thank you, Father, for this message. this, This five simple verses that are so instrumental in the furthering of the church. Bless us now. Bless every one of the ladies in this room. May they have a great Mother's Day. And may they be honored by their families, and their husbands. In Jesus' name, amen.